0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: The first and foremost thing, I think, is to just sit down and determine exactly what it is you want. Then what you can do is you can then start to build a strategy...
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this special episode, we're speaking with US property investor and founder of Star Dynamic Property Investments, Lindsay Stewart. In this episode, we'll be delving into how to buy US properties even if we are in Australia. We learn the different strategies to build a US portfolio the advantages of investing in the US and much, much more. In this episode, we're going to be talking about investing in the United States with Lindsey Stewart but first, we learn about what he does and his background.
1: Oh, we've been um, investing in the US market uh, for probably coming up to, well gosh, was it 2020? So, eight, 8 years now. Um, and um, we have been investors in Australia for quite some time. Um, What attracted me most at the time back in the end of 2012 in the US market was the uh, affordability of the properties. Uh, That was probably the first thing I noticed. We had a lot of funding tied up in a development here, so we were sort of at a bit of a stalemate. Developments in Australia, as we know, can take quite some period of time. So we've we'd sort of been going backwards and forwards with council approvals and all that sort of thing for quite a long time. So I sort of felt we were getting nowhere. So that's what really attracted me to the US. It, it was something that I thought we could do while we were still developing. And, and what ended up happening, we sort of jumped in Ended up buying some properties over there. The results were astounding, um, and in the in, in the end, our developments here in Australia have taken a backseat, and uh, and we now focus generally, predominantly on the US. So you know, we we st- we still do a lot of properties uh, ourselves. Um, we you know, in, in, uh, last year alone, we were able to do eighty-five properties in the US, which was fantastic. Um, you know, for ourselves and for some cl- and for clients as well. So you know, a lot of activity now over there. That's that's sort of my Primary focus, and we have moved a lot now to helping um, other Aussie investors be able to get into the market and show them, you know, how to do that safely and, and uh, sort of how to avoid the pitfalls and and what strategies to use to to um, to make sure it's profitable.
0: It was interesting to learn that he was able to invest in the US while still living here in Australia. We find out about how he was able to do that.
1: I think the first and foremost, most important thing you can do whenever investing, particularly in a um, and when I want to say a foreign country it, it probably wouldn't matter if you're an investor in Victoria investing in Queensland for instance or if you're an investor in Sydney investing in Perth you need to build a, a team on the ground and, and this is probably more so exacerbated once you get overseas because you're now talking about a market that you really don't know a lot about and you need to rely on people's expertise and you need to rely on, on people's advice so building your team is probably the first and foremost important thing you know we have, we have a uh, an online training course that we do and and i think after the first module um goes through you know finding a location and building a team on the ground as you know as, as the first and foremost thing you can do you, you need people you can trust you know this is this is the hard and it looked from a distance that can be difficult but it's really just built up over time it's built up with referrals you know talk to people that you know over there we, we tell a lot of people and we have a lot of clients who may have um you know, uh, uh, friends or relatives or, or colleagues or, or something like that in the US, or possibly they have friends or relatives here in Australia that know people in the US. And that way you can sort of leapfrog into those areas and put, you know, let's just say you have a, a colleague who actually works in Texas. You can reach out to them and you can say, "Hey, look, I'm interested in investing in that region. Um, who do you know, or do you have you used any realtors that were very good? You know, and they can they can start putting you in touch with some people that they know that were, was good for them, and that gives you a bit of a bit of nothing's guaranteed, but it gives you a little bit of certainty that this person's probably you know, fairly straight up and down and, and above board and can help you. So then you can reach out. And then, of course, if you're looking for property managers, well, then the realtor that you've got a contact with now can say, well, look, I have a property manager who's very good and here's his or her number, and you can contact them. If they're looking for contractors, well, often the realtors will have access to some good contractors because you know a lot of these properties might need a little bit of maintenance. So slowly but surely, you can start building your team from referrals. And then as you go through, you can start finding extra people and additionals and you know there's nothing wrong with having two or three realtors that you're using, two or three contract teams, two or three title companies, etc.
0: Next, we delve into the background of one of his clients that he helped jump into the US property market.
1: It's amazing the, the diversity that we have of people coming to us and, and, and um, this gentleman you know was was um, certainly an extremely successful entrepreneur that um, him and his wife run a, a seven or eight figure business already in the marketing online marketing space uh we actually got introduced to them my wife actually signed up to do his wife's course <laughs> so that's actually how that how that started and the, and the information that that we use for a lot of our marketing has come exactly from um from that course that 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 my wife did and uh but her and her husband was so intrigued by our business because it was such a different business from most of the, most of the ladies that she uh, caught, that teaches. He decided he wanted to give it a shot. <laughs> he could see a lot, of, a lot of potential. So, you know, in, in the last uh, 12 months, he's bought three properties in the U.S. now. And, um, you know, the, the first one was actually a, um, in a very great area of Michigan called Harper Woods. Um, which is tucked in behind, and I don't know, if a lot of listeners may or may not have heard of a, an area in Michigan called Gross Point. And Grace Point is probably one of the most expensive uh, areas of real estate in in Michigan, um, you know. And, and uh, so Harper Woods is the next suburb just inland from from, Har- from Grace Point. So very, very nice area, um, you know. Lovely properties. Most of the properties are in very good condition. Uh, you know, generally quite expensive, but um, but in this particular case, we were able to get this property for him for around about forty thousand US dollars. Now, it needed a lot of work, admittedly. Um, you know, now he, he, over the next sort of six months, he he went on to spend around about sort of fifty thousand dollars on that property. Um, so, you know, all up the whole price, the whole purchase and, and renovations and holding costs and everything has probably cost him less than less than a hundred thousand US dollars. Um, now, we were able to then put that property back straight back up on the market. This was a, a, what I would call an owner-occupier strategy, so what he's done here is he's purchased a property to do up to a very high-end standard so that the person who's going to buy the house is the person who's going to live in it, something. You want to you wow the people when they walk in. You want that really nice sort of feel to the property, You know, beautiful kitchens, beautiful bathrooms. That's the side of things. And if you're if you're an investor and you've got a, a bit of a flair for interior design or decoration or that's something you like, then that's certainly the sort of strategy that you'd look at because you can sort of you know, you can really do some lovely things within the house within the homes, make them unique and that's what really can attract people.
0: Stuart explains his client's living situation and the reason that he wanted to start investing in properties in the US.
1: I think Adam would be about late 30s um him and his wife I, I would think both they don't have any children at this stage i, I must have been. i don't know whether that's something they're looking at, at doing down the track but uh i um, know uh, that's right um, I, I know he's got uh, three or four sports cars so i don't know if he treats them as his kids but uh <laughs> and they've got a couple of dogs they have a beautiful acreage uh i think they've got a five acre property in the adelaide hills um, just in Oldgate there so beautiful property. They, they run a lot of their marketing uh, masterminds from their house uh, from their from their home there. Um, they've got um, uh, facilities on their property to, to run a lot of this from. So which is good. They spend a lot of their time also in the US. They've got a very big following and a lot of their clients are also in the US as well. So they do a lot of travel backwards and forwards. Um, and that you know as you can probably understand, very busy people, um, you know, they'd, they'd be turning over. Oh, look, I, I couldn't even begin to to estimate. I, I would certainly say it's a seven-figure business. If not, I wouldn't be surprised if they're probably up around the eight, eight figures now. So, so very successful. They've been doing it for the last 10 years, I think now. Um, so, you know, that um, really at the end of the day, investing in, in property in the US, it was not something that would have necessarily been on his radar. You know, his own business uh, generates such an income for him. But, but, but when he heard about what we were doing, it was something that was quite fascinating for him um, and, and he sort of wants, he loves the diversification of it. So, I think what he was really looking for was to be able to diversify and possibly put together a bit of a property portfolio that would then also be able to generate more passive income uh, as well as the business so that, of course, you've got that safety there if anything happens on, on either side.
0: Before jumping right in, one of the most important aspects is deciding on the strategy you are going to implement.
1: We spend a good couple of hours um, when we first start up or or talk to any client um, regarding their strategy. You know, the, the first and foremost important thing when you're putting together any form of strategy whatsoever is to determine what it is you're actually after and I think a lot of people, I think an investment strategy is probably something that a lot of people are quite remiss. They don't really have an investment strategy written down. Um, they don't have it really mapped out exactly, you know, first and foremost, why are you investing in property? Now, you can you can say, well, it's for passive income. Well, that's all great. But what's why passive income, right? I mean, you, you're not going to be investing so that you can have the dollar in your hand and you can look at it. You, you're going to want, there's something that you want that might be safety, it might be security, it might be to to be able to uh, give up a little bit of work, spend some more time with the family, it might be travel, all these things are what is really the the core underlying reason as to why you're investing. So the first and foremost thing I think is to just sit down and determine exactly what it is you want. Then what you can do is you can then start to build a strategy using property, which is really just a vehicle, to be able to get you what it is that you want. And, And that's really the best way. Once you've got that strategy mapped out and you've got it really crystal clear, Then, of course, it's really easy because then when you see deals, you can look at the deal and say, right, is this my strategy, yes or no? Well, if it is, then you can assess it and say, well, yes, this is a good deal and you take it. If it's not, it's easy because you just flick it and go next. So, you know, without that strategy, that's where a lot of people buy the wrong types of properties. Um, You know, they they get themselves cornered and it may not be that they bought a bad deal. It just simply wasn't the right deal for their strategy. Uh, so, So, you know, this strategy is really important. We spent a good couple of hours with him and now in his case, of course, He's in a, a, a quite an advantageous position, a lot more so than probably a lot of us, in that fin- funding and finance was not really an issue for him. What he was looking to do was to develop an income that was a, so to diversify so that he had a bit of safety and security. You know, so, whereas you know, he has not unlimited funds, of course, but, but the amount of funds to invest for him wasn't necessarily an issue. So, that was an easy one for him as far as strategy goes. You buying the higher dollar dollar properties that were in good areas was probably something he was looking at, um, because he preferred that sort of safety and security of the of the A class B class properties. Um, you know, and and um, but he, you know, what that's sort of what that fitted his strategy. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of other people that come to us that that are probably looking for more that B class C class property because they don't have a lot of funds. They're they're happy to to try and get the best the best they can get their money working as hard as they can for it and and that way they can then start building their equity and building their capital so they can reinvest and and not sort of paint themselves into a corner.
0: Can you elaborate a little bit more about what A, B and C classes are just for the listeners who might know, not not know what that means?
1: I mean in Australia here we, we we have a lot of A class and B class property and that that would be primarily what you would see particularly on the east coast without going into some rural areas and things like that but I mean really I there's probably actual definitions of this in, in a property handbook somewhere, but but in essence, an A-class property would be something like the very high-end regions of. I mean, in Sydney, you'd be looking at sort of North Shore, Glebe, you know, inner suburbs, those sort of areas. They're quite expensive, large properties, very very high-end fittings, you know, marble floors, all this sort of. You know, that that would be your A-class sort of property that you'd be looking at. Now, B-class would be. I would hesitate to say what a lot of us would be living in lovely homes in in nice you know areas um, varying in prices of course depending on the regions but um, but you know very solid homes very nice areas now c-class is a little bit lower than that so you know you can have homes that probably need a little bit a little bit of work Um, you know the people can make these quite homely but but you wouldn't necessarily walk in and go wow this is a nice place it's 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 someone's house but that's now, that might be where it is. It's probably working class. You might find that there's a lot of people in, in the area looking for jobs, possibly, um, or working in factories and, and um, you know that sort of area. Now, the US um, also has a D and an E class, which we don't have over here. And that's where a lot of people can get themselves into trouble because you can buy some very cheap properties in some ordinary C and, and some bad D and E class areas. Now, a D class area is a very poor area generally not a lot of people working, generally there's not a lot of employment opportunities and there generally isn't a lot of schooling in the area. So that, okay. that that sort of gives you a bit of an idea that you would find a lot of people would be on the streets, they'd be talking and walking around and milling around and because they've got not much else to do during the day. Um, properties are generally in pretty poor state of disrepair, um, both exterior and definitely interior um, and uh, and that can be you know quite visible. And then an E-class area was what you would call a ghetto you know and that where these these are properties that would be hardly livable um, and there are people probably living in in properties that are, that are run down or squatters and, and so on and so forth so you got you know this is this is the sort of a whole range unfortunately in the US there there is a, a, a quite a vast difference between the top and the bottom uh, in Australia we're a bit little more fortunate um, not to have a lot of that that lower class areas
0: coming up after the break we'll delve into the strategy that Stewart's client implemented
1: his strategy was to be able to, is to develop a so what he wanted to do is he wanted to invest up, up a an amount of funds into the US and then to have an, a, and to treat it like a business and to have that business turning over and giving him a return
0: the problem with negative gearing and the abundance of positively geared properties you can find in the US
1: anything that takes a dollar out of your pocket is called a liability so, you know, I, I think really even, even a, a property can be a liability as much as it can be an asset.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. We learn more about the area classes and the type of areas that he is looking to get into and what he would stay away from.
1: I certainly wouldn't go into any d-class areas or i wouldn't recommend anybody does now look if you were an investor on the ground and you knew the areas really well you, you there's probably ways you could mitigate a lot of that risk but but from afar it's just too dangerous it's this it's too difficult to be able to mitigate a lot of the risk um from from our perspective uh, 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 what i would call sort of c plus <laughs> um those sort of areas would be about as far as you'd want to go now look with anything i guess there's always uh, risk versus return right so you know, you go into an A class area, you buy a house, you try and do it up, your return's gonna be relatively um, small. The amount of return you can get in an A class area is a lot less than you're gonna get if you were in a C class area, for instance. You might get you might be able to get ten or fifteen percent return on your money in a, in an A class area by doing up the property and selling it. Um, you know, in the B class area you're probably looking at that fifteen to twenty percent. Um, In a good solid C-class area, you could possibly get that 25 to 30%. So, you know, now having said that, you may also find that you know you might get a property in a C-class area broken into at some point if you don't take precautions. Whereas you're not going to get that in an A-class area. So, you know, you've you've got these two dichotomy or you know areas, I suppose, of regions to look at. So when when we go through our strategy, and this is getting back to what you were saying, Tyrone, about the strategy you will, we also want to help some help the person sum up what their sort of risk level is you know people who are quite quite risk averse don't want to be looking at strategies to buy properties in c-class areas they're going to be finding that too too hard on their nerves <laughs> um, you know if something goes wrong so that that's why you'd, you'd sort of lead them towards the more a and b class properties whereas on the other hand someone like myself i, I I have no problem with a, with a reasonable level of risk. I understand how that works and I can understand how to mitigate it and I, I'm okay dealing with that. You know, so, so the A-class areas are not necessarily something I look at because I prefer a higher return and I'm happy to manage and mitigate the risks in the C-class areas.
0: Stuart details how the strategy they implemented is working and we find out in more detail about how his client is able to build up his portfolio because of this strategy
1: first and foremost his strategy was to be able to is to develop a so what he wanted to do is he wanted to invest up, up a an amount of funds into the US and then to have and, and to treat it like a business and to have that business turning over and giving him a return of which he would then invest a percentage back into that business to keep generating that return so that that's in essence what he was looking at doing and he wanted to be able to build a a property portfolio that was developing and and giving him a nice return on his investment and then be able to invest a percentage of that back in to keep improving and and increasing that return. So to start with, uh, our our strategy with him to start with was to look at what we would call owner-occupier flips, sort of that B-class generally area. Where we could buy decent properties, do them up to a really nice standard, sell them for a quite a good return, and that what that does is that gives him really good high level capital equity improvement and boosts to his to, to the amount he's got invested. So you yeah. know, arguably, and I, I, I you know I'll just use some example numbers. I can't really give you too much detail, of course, about exactly what he. But you know, he wants to. Let's just say he wants to invest five hundred thousand Australian dollars. He's going to get around about 380,000 US for that. So what he does is he's, we're going out and buying two or three properties for him in that amount. We're trying to get him around about that 30% return on his flip. So within a year or so, his 360, 380,000 US is going to be around about that 450 to 500 again. Then what we're can then what we looking at doing for him is that he, he's very interested in multifamily properties. So we'll, then what we'll do, and once we finish, we've probably got another six months of his strategy to go uh, of his initial phase, I guess, first phase. Then second phase, what we're gonna do is look at buying an apartment block that needs work. We'll do up the apartment block for him. He'll get all the properties tenanted, increase the value of that property. And then um, he's then he's now developing a relatively decent, passive income. I'd right, say, so, you know, if you get six or eight or 10 apartments in a, in a block that needs work, you can do up all the apartments, you can start tenanting them. And then what happens with apartment blocks, of course, is apartment blocks are more like a commercial strategy. So the, the, the value of the property is more hinged on the net operating income of the property. So as you can get, as you can do up the properties, each unit itself can start getting more rent, you can start putting tenants in them and asking more rent, then the value of the property starts to rise. Then what he's going to do is borrow and re- uh, refinance out most of his funds and then go and do the same again.
0: Stuart's client travels to the US frequently, which is a little bit of an advantage for him when investing over there.
1: The other advantage he's going to have, of course, is by doing the first few flips in the first 12 months and he gets a tax return, he does that over in the US, that starts generating you a bit of a, a credit rating over there. The lenders start looking at you a little bit more seriously once you've done some tax returns and so on and so forth. And they start looking at you a lot more seriously when you've had some experience. So, you know, this this is this is all favorable for him. So, when he's ready and does that, the apartment building, then when he refinances out, he should be able to get about seventy odd percent of his, you know, loan to value ratio out of that out of that property. Now, if if he's had a a twenty to thirty percent uplift in the value from when he's renovated all these units, and as you can see, he'll probably get pretty close to all his funds out. You know, now if you're paying around about six, seven, eight percent, even if you're paying private equity at seven or eight percent, and the unit block itself is giving you, including a vacancy rate of say something like fifteen or sixteen percent net, which it would. The difference between your loan repayments and your and your net amount is still going to be around that that seven or eight percent, which is certainly worthwhile. And then you've got most of your funds back to go and do it again.
0: investing in properties in the US has its advantages when it comes to balancing out your portfolio.
1: Even Adam, in his case, he owns property here in Australia as well and he, he has the growth coming in through there. So, what I think what you said before about balancing your portfolio is absolutely perfect. In his case, that's what he was looking for. Um, you know, And, and look, I, I personally am not an advocate for, for negative gearing. I, I still have never been able to see the sense in, in spending a dollar to save 30 cents uh, in any case and even in Australia, I don't see you know, there are properties available that you can buy that you can make at least neutrally geared if not even some form of positive. Um, you know, at the end of the day, and I, I sort of keep going back to, to Robert Kiyosaki's uh, rules of investing from Rich Dad Poor Dad to some degree, you know, I, um, to be classified as an asset, it's got to be putting a dollar in your pocket. Um, anything that takes a dollar out of your pocket is called a liability. So, you know, I, I think really even even a, a property can be a liability as much as it can be an asset. It depends on how you've got it structured. So, so you know, ha- having a property and even if it's only giving you a dollar a month, that is at least a positive or at least a neutrally geared property and then you, you're on the wind. You know, you can't, you can't be going backwards at least if it's giving you a dollar because here in Australia, you're going to get growth. In the US, you don't have the or in the Midwest of the US, you don't have the growth like that. So what you're going to want is you're going to want higher cash flow. You need that higher return, you can't allow, I'd never buy a property in the US giving me 2 or 3 or 4% because tying up your money for that sort of small return isn't worthwhile because the property is not going to be worth significantly more in years to come. So that's where you're going to want that 10% plus and particularly multifamily is great because you can be looking at 15% plus. We delve into the
0: term multifamily and it explains to us what the term means and gives us some examples.
1: A family property is literally any property that, that will have more than one tenant occupying the property. Now, it can, it can there's a number of ways that that can be done. Um, in the US, it's very popular to find what they call duplexes and triplexes. Now, in, in Australia, a duplex would be, you'd probably see on one block, you'd have two houses directly side by side. Uh, in the US, that's not generally the case. What you find a duplex is one house, which is actually divided inside into two units. Now, it might be an upstairs unit and a downstairs unit, or there might be a unit on the left and a unit on the right as you go through the front door. So, the the format can be a little different, but that's what you would call a duplex property. So, you've got one house uh, literally under one um, deed or or one title, and you are renting it out to two separate uh, families under two separate leases. Now, um, a triplex goes one step further where you would have three units inside one property. Um, you know, and again, this could be an upstairs unit and two downstairs unit, or in the US, and in a lot of cases, you can find an upstairs unit, a ground floor ground floor unit, and maybe a basement unit, because they're very big on their basements in the US. So that you know that that and that could be a triplex. Now there is a there is a such thing as a quad or a fourplex. They're a little harder to find, and I don't necessarily recommend them as a strategy. There's quite a few little drawbacks with them. But then beyond that, your next step would be apartment blocks. Um, now, in the in the US, again, this is a little different. When we talk apartments in Australia, you're thinking of buying one apartment, a two-bedroom apartment or a one-bedroom apartment. Um, in the US, that's called a condominium, uh, not an apartment. So these apartment blocks are actually all on the same title. They're not strata titles. So you can't buy an individual unit. Um, the only way you could do that would be through a condominium. And again, not necessarily, unfortunately, quite a popular strategy that, that a lot of the international, or should I say the... U.S. companies trying to sell to international investors because, you know, they're very glamorous and they're overlooking the San Francisco Bay or Miami, right? And they're beautiful, and you've got pools, and you've got tennis courts, and you've got all this in the in the complex, which is fantastic to live in. But to own one, that you have what they call homeowner association fees, which is very similar to our body corporate fees here in Australia. These can be extremely high. And particularly when you buy in compounds that have tennis courts and pools and gyms and all this sort of thing, what you can find is your, your HOA fees can be as much as your rent. <laughs> Therefore, it can, it can literally count. Yeah, we, I had a lady come up to us uh, only a couple of years ago and she had a, a condominium in Atlanta and it was costing her money to hold on to it. And, you know, again, there's not a lot of capital growth there. And she and there's another step that's even worse. In a lot of cases, you can find that some of these homeowner associations have built into their contracts that you have to get approval from the homeowner association to be able to sell the property. And um, she was and the um, the HLA was not giving her approval to sell, so she couldn't sell it. <laughs> so there's a, there's some real traps there. But but apartment blocks, sorry, getting back to apartment blocks, are quite good strategies where you're buying an entire block of four, five, eight, ten, thirty however many apartments come in under that block. Uh, you know, you renovate those out, you can make them um, very good cash flowing apartments um, and you can increase the value of the of the block itself by increasing the value or the amount of rent that each individual one gets because the more rent you get for each apartment, the, the higher the net operating income come, um, becomes of the entire block.
0: And therefore, it increases the value. It's just very similar to commercial property in Australia because the value is determined because of the rental income.
1: It's pretty much exactly the same. You know, you you'll have a cap rate in an area saying that you know a uh, commercial property in this area is bringing ten or twelve percent. So if you're getting you know uh, ten thousand or a hundred thousand dollars a year in rent from that property, then if you're getting a hundred thousand dollars net rent, then you're getting then you've got a property that's worth a million dollars if the cap rate of the region is ten percent. So you know that it, it really just boils down to that.
0: Thank you to Lindsay Stewart for sharing a real case study. And we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Next time, we hear about another one of his clients.
1: She didn't have enough funds left to be able to purchase property and with no income, it was going to be very hard for her to get, a, to get a loan here in Australia to buy a property here. So that's where, you know, when she heard about the US.
0: The shock that his client had once she started investing in the US.
1: She actually spoke to me only a couple of months ago and she's saying she, she'd never realized how actually easy it would be. She, she didn't, she just thought it would be really difficult and, and she realizes now that it's actually not that hard.
0: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory.